Hello, my friend, and welcome to this two-part series of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, your host, and I am so glad you are here. Well, we have problems in our businesses every single day. One of them is when we are or work for someone who has a high level of command and control mentality, cannot let go the dictator in the room. It's a problem, and it can be a cancer in an organization. I've invited Joe Thompson to share his story regarding how we can identify and help people overcome this massive obstacle. Sometimes we don't even know we have it. Sometimes it's a blind spot. So listen in. I can't wait for you to do that. And then the second part on 177 is help. I work for a stoic, a person who is indifferent to pain, to pleasure, is someone who is so strong and confident and unwavering that they forget to be vulnerable and walk in humility. I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. There are leaders who perhaps are not the command and control dictators. Another misconception is that leaders must also be strong, confident, unwavering at all times, the stoic. Now, leadership also involves vulnerability. It involves humility, and you could agree to this. Effective leaders, they realize and recognize they don't have to have all the answers. We're willing to seek input from others, feedback, guidance. And I think we need to also dispel the notion that leaders are solely responsible for the success and the failure of a business. It involves a collective effort, as we're talking about, right? It involves the entire team working to the goals, not just about the individual performance of the one leader, but fostering an environment where everyone can thrive and contribute. So you have two different kinds of leaders. In the first half of this series, the episode was about the leader who was the tight grip. The other leader is the leader who is going to say, it's all my responsibility. I have to take every shot. There's a differentiation here. This leader doesn't have to be the control one, but they have to be the one who says, I am the reason for all of this working. If there's something that doesn't work, I will fall on my sword. That's valiant. (laughs) That's valiant. (laughs) Right. The valiant one. And you're listening, you're like, well, shouldn't I be valiant? Shouldn't I be the one who takes ultimate responsibility when Something doesn't work. It always falls back on me. Shouldn't that be the way I lead? There's danger in that. And there might be some environmental influence on that, like the way you grew up. How many times do you hear people describe their dad? He was a strong man. I never saw him shed a tear. You know what I mean? Right. So we start to develop this ideology that a leader can't be vulnerable when we know historically how much impact that has on the people around you when you do show vulnerability. So, yeah, I think whether it's the things you watched on TV or someone you respected that kind of had those qualities. Charles Bronson or just go down yeah, the list. I think, of- you, I think you get a lot of what is leadership from these characters that when you look at it, they're completely involved in creating chaos. <laughs> yeah. You know dirty, I mean? dirty Harry, John Wayne. Dirty, <laughs> you know, they're killing people and it's so chaotic and like when you look at that, is that what you want <laughs> your business I was just to be thinking like about John Wick? <laughs> yeah, John Wick is your CEO. I mean, it's not going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's definitely confident on wavering. Yeah, he'll fall on his sword. I mean, he's that kind of guy. But, you know, look at the wake he leaves. When Everybody he's, when he's done. <laughs> so it's a, good, the one it's a good analogy. I mean, it's a good analogy of especially guys that are like tough guy. We look at John Wick and we're like, man, that's what I would aspire to be. But in running your business, like, really? Like, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, somebody killed your dog. Okay. Let's use that in a business environment. If you haven't watched the John Wick movies, <laughs> that's how the first one starts. He did, was upset because someone killed his dog. That his wife who passed away. This is gifted. True. This is true. So in a business that's a environment. to kill yes. 300 people. <laughs> <laughs> Let's walk this through. And like, how would we have an analogy in a business environment? What's the equivalent of someone killing your dog? Wow. Something important to you, a memory. Or maybe a reputation. A reputation. So maybe you were the king of beers and you're like why are we going there oh i know why you're going there <laughs> i just want to see how you get there right and you're the uh ceo of budweiser and you had this reputation very manly beer outdoorsy manly outdoorsy beer. pickup trucks and Race country music and nascar i don't know if i'm gonna get through this <laughs> one you. that's all right we have good audience here it's probably more exciting than most of our episodes anyway <laughs> and Someone comes along and kills your dog, perhaps inadvertently, didn't really know the consequences were. Mm -hmm. And your reputation really, and I mean really, suffers. We know, of course, we're talking about Budweiser and the Dylan Mulvaney situation. I mean, definitely an oversight by their marketing and anyone that that was reporting (laughs) to just didn't know their audience. Yeah, no expectation, had no idea what would happen to the brand. Just complete collapse of their their base. Just did not agree. Whatever you believe, we believe. Point is, is that the reputation was in question at that point in time. Well, what is our reputation? And so, in a John Wick way, that CEO would do what? I don't want to go there. I know you don't want to go there. We can always. There would be out. some heads rolling, yeah. proverbially. Proverbially. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, this individual, you would take retribution. You would say, I have to fix this. In whatever way I can, but not just fix it, but in a way that I am the stoic, unwavering leader who has complete control, back to the control, but in a different kind of way, control over myself so that I remain true to the image. That's what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about image. And when you talk about this type of individual, just moving on to the individual, the words vulnerability and humility are probably, probably make them nervous. Mm-hmm. Like if you're listening and, and vulnerability and humility make you nervous, then you may be struggling in this area where you believe that the only image that is acceptable for a leader is an image where there is no question of my strength. Because the opposite of that, the antithesis of that is going to be weakness. And if I appear weak, I may appear inept. And so, in my own mind, that's dangerous. Because people associate vulnerability and weakness as if they're the same thing. When it's the opposite. Yes. It's the complete opposite. If you can be vulnerable in an organizational environment, in any environment, it means that you are confident enough to let down your shield, is that there are no threats to you. Because that's when we let down our shield. We let down our shield when we're not threatened, feel threatened. So to be vulnerable isn't to be weak, it's to say, look, you know what? There's no threats here. I can actually be transparent about the situation. If you're struggling in business, if you have cash flow issues, 
you think, well, if I tell my people I have cash flow issues, then they're probably going to stop working for me because they're not going to know that they're going to get paid. I'm not saying you don't use the right terminology. What I'm saying is that perhaps they're the ones that can help you improve your cash flow. Yeah. I like the difference that's made between, you know, weakness is associated with a lot of things. Forgiveness. If you're not causing revenge or retribution, you're weak. Why don't you strike back? Passion. Yeah. Sometimes people mistake passion about like, I have passion for my job. You know, I want things done right. They think of that as a weakness. Like, why are they always competing with everybody? Why do they have to be that way? And then vulnerability is always associated with a weakness. But we are a people that we still gather in groups. We haven't much left our days of being, look at a restaurant. We're all sitting there eating together. And look how everyone was miserable during COVID, you know, when we weren't together. So we are by nature a people that rely on other people being around us, other people who add to the tribe, so to speak, right? So when you're vulnerable as a leader, um, your A players are going to say, you know what? They're just like me in that way. Like I have those vulnerabilities. I know what my vulnerabilities are. And now, like I'm in a safe place where I can express that. And once that wall comes down around everybody and you can just talk honestly across the conference room table, man, the things your company can accomplish are going to be incredible. Yeah, I agree. It actually makes me think of, it reminds me of a situation. Do you remember our old sensei when yes. we were at the karate studio together who was at a crossroads? Mm-hmm. in his journey with his dojo mm-hmm. and a strong guy. You can imagine a karate instructor being strong mm-hmm. and the most impactfully tender moment I'd ever experienced someone of that strength experience and that vulnerability was when he had to close the dojo and he wept in front of all of his students, not out of, uh, Oh, what was me? It was out of a deep care for everything and everyone that he encountered. And man, my respect for him went up tenfold that day. I remember it. That was a big deal. I was a much younger guy at the time, too. I thought you always had to be tough. And, you know, yeah. Here was a guy that just didn't mind showing people how he felt about them. He wasn't crying over the dojo, he was upset about the people that would not be with him anymore. Yeah. So think about applying that as a leader in your business. If you have really good people around you, like if you've built up this A team, don't undervalue that you can show somebody, hey, we really appreciate you. It was a lot of hard work you did. Thanks. You know, I couldn't have done it without you instead of, you know, the me, me, me. Yeah. And if you were to talk to somebody whose business I just walk in for a week, they're going to say, man, this guy, he's lying <laughs> because I've seen him not be weak, not show emotion, take authority, take power from people. But like we said in the earlier episode, we're just taking that away so that we can unchain people who are caught in that kind of an environment. And what we do with that is we're just packing it up. We're throwing it away. Now, three months, four months later, they'll tell you how much I care about everybody in the company, like the big changes that have been made. Yeah. And that is just from understanding just basically how people function. It's a golden rule. Indeed. Yeah. There's some differences. Now, someone listening is like, well, do I have permission to go boohooing all the time at the office? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, here you go again, crying. Here's the napkins. There's a difference, clearly. Yeah. 
have dominion over your emotions and use appropriateness. At the same time, it's not necessarily that you have to cry. It sometimes can just be a moment where someone in your business is struggling and you explain, hey, you know what? I get it. I've struggled in that area too. Rather than saying, oh, really? Boy, I've never seen that problem before. Yeah, because I've always got it together. Mm-hmm. It's just even the inflection in your voice and having a bit of empathy for a situation that you might have encountered in the past is golden in terms of walking in a little bit of vulnerability as a leader. It's okay for people to know that you've made mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, we like to take this stuff down the rabbit hole. Let's go further than that. So I'm pretty open about the fact that I've struggled with depression in the past, right? Yeah. And it's a real mental illness that people have. It's like breaking an arm. It's a real medical issue, right? And I encourage people, like, let's just be open and honest and let's just talk about it and let's quit making it a stigma in business, especially when you work among a lot of people. There's going to be those people who struggle that are great employees, but they have those things that they're fighting in their personal lives, whatever it may be. But let's talk about depression at this point. I've had conversations one-on-one where someone tells me, you know, everything was going good. And then, you know, this catalyst happened or I've just been feeling really bad about it. I don't know how to get over it. And then they're crying and they're pouring their heart out. And the last thing they expect me to say to them is, I understand. I've been on that journey myself. I was luckily I came out on the right end of it because I had the right support system and everything to do that. And this company can be that support system too. If you need help, I've gotten help. So Like, let's talk about this. Let's work this out and then let's get the right people involved. But you would never expect someone who's coming into your company that's going to take everything apart and put it all back together so that it's running great for everybody. It's going to collaborate with all these people who seems to have control in every area of your business. And you're thinking, how does he control every area of the business? But we don't. What we do is we put the people in control of all the areas of the business, right? And you would never think, though, that someone that you view like that is going to come out and say, yeah, I've struggled with that, too. Let's not make a stigma about it. Let's talk about it. If you survived cancer, you would tell me. You'd say, oh, man, you know, a couple of years ago, I had cancer and I beat it. And we'd celebrate. Yeah. And we'd be like, yay. But if someone's like, you know, I had depression and I beat it, they're like, mm, I feel bad for you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Sorry. that." Or I struggled with suicide. We had a guest on the show not too long ago. And we'll put in the show notes, if you haven't heard that one, who attempted suicide twice and shared that struggle. And we tend to, some ways, demonize the struggle Mm -hmm. when we look at other kinds of struggles and we elevate them. And it's such a tragedy because we need to celebrate overcoming no matter what type of illness someone overcomes. And I say, don't be afraid to share that. Don't be afraid. If you've walked that path already, which is basically what sensei means, someone who's gone before, if you've walked that path already, uh, like that is a very sharp tool in your tool chest that if you're brave enough to be honest about it, I don't mean businesses, you can change lives with that kind of honesty. With that kind of vulnerability, you can change the way a person lives the rest of their life out. And then they'll be that person for someone else. I had a guy, we were paying a fortune to to come in and fix our business. And you know what he told me? So I can now share this with you when I run across it. And, you know, that moves exponentially, whatever it is. But when we talk about true vulnerability, 
let's not just always make it about business in business because business is a people and people have all kinds of things that affect their performance. And if it's something like that and you can share some experience like that, that's the way to live your life. Yeah. Like not just run your business. If you run your business one way, you live your life another way. You have yeah. a problem there. It's so important to have this conversation. And even as you're saying it, I'm thinking someone less things like, but you don't get it. You don't understand my reputation is based on my stoicism or my strength or my abilities. And as soon as I share my challenges, my vulnerabilities, it's going to wreck my reputation. And I think of myself sometimes. I've had some really rough and dumb decisions in my life. You've been there. And yes, you have. Yes, I have. (laughs) I mean, you know, standing in front of a judge, facing a possible five-year prison sentence for just doing dumb stuff. I don't want to talk about that. But when I do, someone listening says, man, you know what? Okay, I'm leaning in now because you're not some ivory tower person who's never faced a struggle in your life. You've been in the dirt and that makes you real. When I see that, story, when I hear someone else talking about some challenges they face, some mistakes they've made in the past, it makes me more connected to them because they are not some far off person that is perfect. We're all fantastically flawed mm-hmm. somehow or not. And I think it's the struggles, the challenges that we face, the ways that sometimes we fall and fail that bring us the closest together. It's not always when I hit a home run or a grand slam every shot I took. No, when I struck out, that's what makes me human. Yeah. What you have to remember is that when I share this stuff with somebody, it doesn't change what I know. Like it doesn't make me less able to put your business together or to come in and help you guide it in a certain way. It changes nothing because before you knew that, I was that guy you hired to come in and help fix your business. And I've been fixing it this whole time. And then suddenly you find out something. It doesn't change anything of the abilities that someone has because they've had struggles with something. I like to think I'm like really in touch with that. I like to think that if we can help people take the struggles that they've had and apply it to their leadership skills, what better way to mentor somebody than say, hey, you know, those personal struggles, those problems that you had, share those with people. Let them know, you know, that you're a real person. Yeah. And, you know, people joke, with me because I make a lot of non-emotional decisions, but that's what I'm paid to do. Yeah, Like I'm paid to make non-emotional decisions because like I'm there to help you in the best way possible. There's running jokes with people I've worked for that. Hey, did you find your emotion? (laughs) And you know, I joke about it myself, but in reality, like the kind of passion it takes to run a business, run your business, you have a people business. You know what I mean? You look at tax company and you may say, Oh, the tax is a bunch of accountants, numbers, blah, blah, blah. No, that's a people business, man. If people don't feel that you care about them, that you're as flawed as anyone else, they won't trust you. And it takes a ton of passion. And remember I said passion, people think is a weakness. It takes a ton of passion to get up and to do that day in and day out until you're successful. Agreed. And the other side of it is, That because you can say, I have not arrived, it means that you don't have all the answers and it's okay. In fact, I know, I know, I remember one of my students called me once and said, hey, I've got this big problem in my business and I need to find the answers before I go talk to my team. I'm like, oh, well, what'd you hire your team for to solve problems in the business? Like, 
well, is this a problem? It's like, yeah, but if I don't have an answer, then I'll look like I'm not a good leader. And who told you that? Clint Eastwood? Yeah. <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> like, no, you go tell your team, hey, we have a problem. It's not I have a problem. We have a problem because this is our mission. It's our vision. These are our values. These are the expectations that we've all signed up for to perform to me. So we collectively are going to find a solution. Now, does that sound weak to you? You hit something huge there, though. Something huge is when you go to your staff or your company and you say that we have a problem and they're like, well, we don't have a problem. (laughs) You have a problem. Get rid of them immediately. Because if you want to bask in the glow, okay, you're also going to have to chew some of the dirt. Now, is the owner taking the risk? They're taking all the risks. Always, yeah. Can you shrug your shoulders and not care and go and get a different job and it won't affect you? Sure. But are you a D player? (laughs) (laughs) We have had. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you are a D player. So take pride in, in the work that you do. But like, also take pride in, in the fact that if you have a manager or owner or a CEO or whatever that can come to you and say, hey, look, we have a problem, like we need to solve it as a collective, be part of that. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem, but be part of the ownership of that too. Because if you are an A player, and we had a discussion the other day, of when was the last time you performed at a level 10? Okay. So A players are going to have more 10 days than not, right? You can't have them all the time. But you always aspire to have one. You'll fall short. But you always aspire to have that level 10 day. If you're that A player, you are not going to be disappointed in the fact that you've helped grow your company. Now, are there exceptions to this rule? Is there the guy to say, hey, you know, I bent over backwards for the company and I got nothing out of it? If you are truly a superstar on your team and your business is growing and thriving and whatnot, you're going to come along with that and probably reap the benefits of that as well. I always tell people that, hey, you know, you're starting off at this and this is what you're doing. But when we expand, we want you to come along with us in that expansion. And we want to elevate you because you have a really good game. We want to elevate that game. So it's really when we get into this kind of leadership, it really is having employees that will accept those attributes you ran through and take that on themselves. You know, something really important is encouraging and back to the communication, communicating the vision you have for that team member and why they're important. You've got game. You are an important member of this team. We want to see you continue to grow. We want to continue to elevate you. I mean, this is something that is seems like it's so elemental, but few leaders actually walk in that level. And that's vulnerability too, by the way, mm-hmm. is to say, because we're sometimes afraid if we tell them that, then what are they going to do? Oh my goodness. Oh, they're going to ask for more money or they're going to you know, blackmail me or they're going to think that maybe I'm not needed anymore because, oh, maybe they're better than me at my job. Those are all just lies. Mm-hmm. No, these people, we need to express their capabilities, express their direction, express why they're important to this team and this community and let them be a part of solutions. And you're right. If somebody says it's your problem, then you want to say, well, I guess that you're not a part of this team because all the problems belong to us. One way or another, it affects everyone. Mm -hmm. I think it's you and I that always say there's no one person more important than the entity itself. We have a great respect for business. We don't hold the prejudice against legitimate legal business. 
We love all business. That's right. And people that are doing it and working it. And I have a massive respect for entrepreneurs because they know how hard that is. There's sometimes when you have a leader like that that thinks I should have all the answers and you know I'm going to be this stoic person, they have a very developed sense of hierarchy. You'll know this is among those kind of leaders because when they see themselves that way, then they only find strengths in people that they see that are like them, right? So those people get elevated into a higher position because those people are important. What I like to say that not one person is more important than the company. The other side of that is no one person is less important to the company. So if you're hearing this and you're a manager right now, you're probably disagreeing, but take away all the people you manage and you have nothing. Like you're the low guy on the totem pole now. Okay. So who are you reporting (laughs) to? So as a leader, make sure that everyone knows they're important to that company. I don't care what they're doing. I mean, there has to be a clean business. There has to be the music that's playing. You have to have maintenance crews and things like that come in. They're all important to what you're doing. So it's always great. I don't think leaders take into account how important it is to pat someone on the back once in a while and say, hey, great job. And don't just do that to your vice president and president, right? You've put them in that position. They kind of know you. You're leaning on them. But I mean, go as far down the hierarchy as you think there is and tell that person how important they are. They See what kind of difference it makes. Who knows what that person will develop into? Amen. Who knows? It's good. It's a beautiful thing. Well, my friend, I am so thrilled that you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. And before you go to the next episode, especially if you're binge listening, take a moment. I would love to get your honest review right here on your screen. Your feedback is so important. It helps the podcast. It encourages me and it helps me. It helps me to give you more and more and more value. So I can't wait to read your review. I can't wait to be with you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala. This is a call to leadership.